you ever been around someone who it seemed like the conversation was just a one-way street? That they were interested in doing all the talking, but none of the listening. I remember several years ago when I was just a young, well, many years ago when I was just a young pastor, being invited to lunch by this prominent pastor whom I had admired from a distance. I didn't know him personally, but I had seen him on television. I had been blessed by many of the messages I heard him preach, and I was humbled that I would get invited to lunch to meet this guy. And I thought, this would be a great chance for us to get to know each other and, and for me to find a mentor in ministry. But it didn't take long into the lunch before I realized this was not a chance for us to get to know one another. This was a chance for him to sell me on what he had to offer. That he wanted to come to our church and preach a series of meetings, of course, for a, a love offering, and we could sell all of his books. And I remember in that lunch meeting asking him all kinds of questions about his wife and about his children and how he got into ministry and tell me about your church. And then as I got in my car after lunch, I realized he had not asked me a single personal question. Nothing. It was a sales call. And you know, when I got in my car, I didn't say, Woo, I can't wait to have lunch with that guy again. Instead, I thought, that just feels icky. You feel unheard. You feel used. You feel like a commodity. And you know, one of the problems I see in our culture today is that people are not listening to each other. It seems that there are people talking, but not as many people listening as we should. And because of that, we're missing each other. One of the most frustrating things that, that I ever see is if I'm watching the news, that's frustrating enough. But to watch a news panel with, with a several guests and they start talking over each other. You, you can't understand what anybody's saying. The rhetoric gets heated. Nothing is ever resolved because people are missing each other because they're talking, but they're not listening. And it makes me feel bad. I know it makes you feel bad if you're in a relationship where it feels like you're not being heard. You're not being understood. There are people who have experiences and they just need someone to hear them out. There's a widow or a widower who is grieving and they just need someone to listen, not to solve all their problems. There's someone who is dealing with the pain of their childhood sexual abuse and they need someone to listen. There's someone in your life who is coming at the problems of our society from a different political perspective than you and they just need someone to listen. There are people who have dealt with racism firsthand and they just need someone to listen. There are people who are wrestling with personal temptations or personal struggles and they just need someone to listen. Because I think it's true that people feel loved when they feel heard. People feel loved when they feel heard. In fact, Dr. David Augsburger made the statement that, that being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they're almost indistinguishable. I remember many years ago, someone attended our church for a few weeks in a row, and I would greet people at the back door back when you could actually greet people. Uh, do you remember those days? Do you remember that? <laughs> and one of the things I realized after a few encounters with him was that he was not a follower of Jesus. Someone had invited him to our church, and 
I just wanted to get to know him a little better. I wanted to know his story, so I invited him to Starbucks one day. We met at the Starbucks on Atlantic in Girvin. We got our coffee. We sat down outside, and I said, man, I'm just so glad that you took a few minutes of your time for us to get to know each other, and I just wanted to get to know you. Thank you for coming to our church. I'm so happy you're there. And he went off. He said, I'm going to go ahead and just lay it out on the line. I don't believe the Bible. I, I don't believe Jesus is the Savior. I, I don't probably believe like you believe politically. He said, but do you know why I keep coming back to your church? And I said, why? He said, because you people are nice. And you treat me with respect. And he said, I was dumbfounded that you, the pastor of the church, would actually want to meet me for coffee. And I said, why would I not want to meet you? He said, because I don't believe like you believe. And I said, well, tell me your story. Let's get to know each other. Tell me your story. And when he shared his story about childhood sexual abuse, about a church that wouldn't believe him and swept it under the rug, about parents that disowned him, about getting involved in a lifestyle of drugs and addiction, attempting suicide on numerous occasions, and finally coming to our Celebrate Recovery so that he could at least have a group to support him in his recovery. And when he finished telling his story, I said, if I had been through what you've been through, I'd probably feel exactly like you feel. Listen, people feel loved when they feel heard. I had to resist every urge within me to throw out a verse or to correct a point or a misunderstanding or to tell my side of the story I had to just listen. And I think that's what we need to talk about today, just listening. We're in this series, if you're new to our church, we're in a series this month called United We Stand. And we're talking about how the, the things that make us united in Jesus far outweigh the things that make us different in life. That we can have different opinions and different backgrounds, and that's going to be true but we can stand united in Christ. And one of the ways that we need to stand united is in listening. And today we're going to talk about what it means to listen. It was Andy Stanley, pastor of North Point Church, who made the statement. In fact, I've got a coffee mug with it printed on the coffee mug. You can either make a point or you can make a difference. If you want to make a point, just talk, point your finger, argue, Throw stuff on social media, disregard relationships, and you will have made your point. But if you really want to make a difference, you need to listen. In fact, James, in the half-brother of Jesus in the New Testament, talks to us about the importance of listening. Did you know that? In James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, the half-brother of Jesus put it this way, Know this, my beloved brothers... Let every person, how many people is he talking to? Yeah, every person. So he's talking to me, he's talking to you. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. James is talking about listening, the importance of listening. He's referring to listening Primarily to the Word of God and how that we receive the Word of God as we hear it taught and we hear it preached. But these listening skills apply to every relationship in life. They reply, they'll apply to your marriage relationship. You need to learn how to listen to your spouse. They, they will apply to your parenting 
You need to learn how to listen to your parents. They will apply to your work relationships and our interpersonal relationships in church. They, they will help you as you navigate differences of opinions when it comes to politics or religion. These principles that James lays out need to be heard and applied by every person. And the world would be better off if we took James's advice. James, first of all, tells us that listening well requires us to reject apathy. Listening well requires us to reject apathy. Apathy says, I just don't care. I'm not interested, don't have time, don't want to be bothered, don't want to do the hard work of investing in this relationship. I'm just apathetic, don't care. And James says, rather than being apathetic, we should be quick to hear. We should be eager to hear another person. We should be in a hurry to hear another perspective, to hear another viewpoint, to hear, be quick to hear. But too often, rather than being quick to hear, we're quick to speak. That's why the old adage says, God gave you two ears and one mouth so that you will listen more than you speak. And so often we need this reminder that says, it's time to listen. I need to lean in. I need to be eager to hear what is being said to me today. After spending 12 days in the hospital in April, I came to discover that some of the best listeners in the world are nurses. I mean... Sometimes, and I had the best doctors in the world, but sometimes it felt like when the doctors came in, they were in a hurry. They had to get in and get out. And, and I didn't often feel as comfortable saying, could you slow down, hang out with me for a little while, let me tell you what's going on. But the nurses were there, and they listened, and they were attentive, and they communicated back what I was feeling, what I was saying, what I was expressing, what I was needing, what I was fearing. We need people like that in our lives, people who are quick to hear. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the, the late Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian and pastor who was eventually put to death by the Nazis because he stood up against them, wrote a small book called Life Together. And in his book, he wrote, many people are looking for an ear that will listen they do not find it among Christians because these Christians are talking when they should be listening. But he who can no longer listen to his brother will soon no longer listen to God either. This is the beginning of the death of spiritual life. And in the end, there is nothing left but spiritual chatter and condescension arrayed in pious words. And he's right. If we are not quick to hear and to listen, then we're going to live shallow lives that may make points, but really don't make a difference. And as followers of Jesus, it ought to be our desire to make a difference in a person's life through the love of Christ. So listening well requires us to reject apathy, be quick to hear. And then secondly, listening well requires us to reject arrogance. Not only do we reject apathy, we reject arrogance. A person who's not willing to listen 
is exhibiting arrogance because they're saying, I don't believe you have anything to say worth listening to. I don't believe you have anything to say that I need to hear. I don't believe there's anything you're going to say to me that's going to help me in my life. I've got all the answers. Don't need you. You say, well, I would never be like that. And we don't intend to. But when we refuse to listen, we exhibit arrogance. That's why James says we are not only to be quick to hear, we're also to be slow to speak. Slow to speak. I get those backwards all the time. I am slow to listen and quick to speak. I'm a preacher. I get paid by the word. I get paid to talk. And I sometimes struggle with being slow to speak. And I also don't know if it's a man thing or not, but I want to jump in and fix the problem as soon as you even hint at what the problem may be. I want, to, I want to come in and give you a verse. I want to come in and give you a principle. I want to come in and tell you where you're wrong. I want to tell you here's a different way to do this. And I want to be quick to speak rather than slow to listen. But sometimes if we are quick to speak, we can make matters worse. We can jump to conclusions. We didn't really hear the person, and we jumped to conclusions. But I just fight that tendency. One of the best things I ever discovered is when Craig Marsh showed me on my phone that I could not only listen to a podcast, I, would, I already knew that, but that I could speed it up. Here's a little button, Ricky. You just push that button, and you can speed it up half a time or one times quicker than normal, and you can get through podcasting half the time. That was revolutionary. And I wish some of you had buttons I could push that you would hurry up and stop talking because I'm ready to talk. Have you ever felt that tendency that, that while the person's talking to you, you're not really listening? You're, you're just kind of waiting for a pause so that you can jump in? I think all of us at times struggle with this command to be slow to speak. Be slow to offer that solution. Be slow to give your opinion. Be slow to assess the situation. Be slow to share your story. Because remember, you're wanting to be quick to hear them, eager to hear them. But you're going to hold back before you speak. I'm not saying we should never speak. The voice, needs, the voice of the church, the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ needs to be heard in our culture, in our relationships. But we need to earn that respect of people listening to us by first listening to them. Stephen Covey, the late Stephen Covey, wrote that book that was not a Christian book at all. Uh, it was a, a management book. And it's called The Five Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of the habits that he shares of highly effective people is that they first seek to understand before being understood. That a highly effective person in business or in their family or in relationships will first have a desire to understand rather than first wanting to be understood. There's a time to be understood. But the first step is to understand the person on the other side of the table, the other side of the argument, the other side of the issue, the other side of life's experience. So be slow to speak. That means I have to hold my tongue at times. That means I have to put down my phone and look the person in the eye. Uh, that, that means I have to be willing to 
ask questions that keep me from giving my side and getting them to talk a little more about their side. What do you mean when you said such and such? Out of everything you've said to me today, what's the most important thing you want me to know? Out of what you've just shared, what do you need most from me right now? And being slow to speak and quick to listen to what they're saying builds communication. And the lifeblood of relationships is communication. And communication is not a one-way street, it's a two-way street. But we have to first reject apathy by being quick to hear and arrogance being slow to speak. And then thirdly, we have to reject anger. Listening well requires us to reject anger. Sometimes we destroy communication not with our words but with our emotions. Anger. And it puts up a defensive wall between us and the other person. And because of that anger that is expressed in the wrong way, we decimate the relationship. But James writes, every person, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And James elaborates on why he's saying we should be slow to anger. He says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, he's not saying there aren't times to be angry. There is a righteous indignation over sin, over things that hurt people. But often, man's anger is different than God's anger. Man's anger is self-centered often. I'm mad not because you're wrong. I'm actually mad because you're right, and I don't like being wrong. I don't like people pointing out my faults. I don't like admitting that I've got a weakness. And I get angry, not because I didn't understand you, but because I did understand you. Other times, maybe I get angry because I don't understand you. I have not listened well, and I have jumped to a conclusion, and I have assumed I know what you're saying, and I'm angry at something you didn't even mean. That's why I've learned a good habit in my life is, if I respond to an email and I'm angry in my response, I slow down. Or a text message. And before I hit send, I read it again out loud. My response. Or I let Donna read it. And often the Holy Spirit sounds a lot like Donna saying, you shouldn't send that. That's not helpful. That's just anger. You're attacking the person, not the problem. Or Sometimes, just once in a while, rarely, does she have to say to me, I know you're angry, but the person has a point. Ooh, that hurts, doesn't it? That hurts whenever somebody has said something that offends you, and then honestly, you have to step back and say, you know, they're actually right. And so we have to be careful. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. God doesn't need your anger to help him out. He can handle things in his own way, in his own timing. He doesn't need you in your anger. In fact, you're not helping. You're hurting. And a lot of the anger and the hostility that is permeating our culture is not helping. Especially when it comes from those who claim to be followers of Christ. 
You curse other people. You call them ugly names. You slander their character. You pass on unfounded conspiracies about them. And then in the next post, you're talking about Jesus and God's love. People say, whoa. That person was just blasting other people and now they're blessing God. James actually goes on and talks about that. There's something wrong with that tongue of yours that's praising God one minute and then cursing people made in the image of God the next. Something wrong with that picture, he says. So listening well requires us to reject anger. We need more conversations and fewer confrontations. How many times have you been successful at changing hearts and minds to your point of view by angry comments in Facebook? How many times, honestly, have you actually changed a person's viewpoint with this back and forth, back and forth? Uh, here's another way. How many times have you had your heart or mind changed on an important issue because somebody lamblasted you in the comment section of one of your Facebook posts? I guarantee you, 99% or 100% of you have never been changed by anything like that. Because when people are ugly to us and angry at us, our defenses go up. Don't want to hear what they have to say. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And the anger of man means when I lose my anger, I've already lost my argument. Sometimes in marriage, maybe you find yourself arguing about something and then later you think, what even started this? Something so insignificant and now you can't even remember what it was about. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. But the bottom line is, Anger doesn't help. And you need to reject anger. People feel loved when they feel heard. And can I tell you, the easiest thing I've done today is preach these three principles from James. The hardest thing I will do is practice them. I'm actually ashamed to say that even while I was reading this passage of Scripture and studying this passage of Scripture a couple of weeks ago, getting ready to preach this to you, that someone made a comment to me that they just didn't think they could talk to me about an issue. I said, what do you mean? Yes, you can talk to me. And so I invited that person to talk, and no sooner had they started, did I not like what I was hearing, and I immediately jumped back in and defended myself. And after it was all said and done, nothing was resolved. The only thing that I had done was prove that person right, that I can't talk to you about this issue. And I had to go back and say, I am so sorry. I did exactly what you said I would do. And I could stand here and give you all the reasons in the world why I wanted to defend my point of view. But it was still wrong when what you needed most from me in that moment was just someone who will listen. Christian, in this political season, in this, this season of life, that our culture is in. I am not saying don't ever talk, don't ever share your opinion, don't ever stand up for what you believe is right or what you believe is truthful. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that we need to apply these principles by the Holy Spirit of God to our conversations and to our relationships. 
And we need to earn the right to be heard by being willing to hear other people in their point of view. I believe the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, as long as we're being faithful to Christ, has a voice that needs to be heard in our culture. But it really begins in our personal relationships by listening to other people. So here's the application. I'm not going to ask you to do one more thing in your already busy life. I'm just going to simply ask you in the relationships and the conversations of your life to just be a more intentional listener. Take away distractions. If it's your phone, if it's, if it's social media, if it's other people in the room, and focus on what the other person is saying. Learn how to ask clarifying questions. Well, tell me more about that. Now, whenever you said this, what did you mean? What's the most important thing you want me to hear today? What do you need most from me today? Just go ahead and apply some active listening in the relationships of your life. Listen to someone who has a different political perspective than you. And don't be really willing first to change. Just listen. You may discover that you're both trying to attack the same problem. You're just coming at it from different angles. Listen to someone's experience from a different race or culture than yours. You may discover there's a way of life that you don't see because you haven't experienced it. And you can now empathize a little better because you listened. Listen to someone who doesn't share your Christian faith. When I had coffee with that young man at Starbucks, he walked away that morning saying, I'm, I'm blown away that you don't hate me after everything I just said to you. I said, how could I hate you? You and I don't agree on a lot of things, but here's one thing I'll tell you. I'll never hate you. And I hope you always know that. By the way, he's now an attorney. And you know what he does? He's a defense attorney. Helping people who can't afford a good attorney. Because he says, I know what it's like to be down and out and nobody believe you. And I want to help people. And you say, Ricky, nothing you've said today is earth shattering. You're the master of the obvious. We know all of this. I could have stayed home. No mask required. Or I could have not listened and tuned in today and already knew all this. And that's the problem. We know all of this is true. Then why is it so hard to practice it? I think it's so hard for me to practice listening well because I've got a story to tell. I think it's hard sometimes for all of you to listen well, not because you're a bad person, and it's not because you don't know all this. It's because you have a story to tell. You have a life you've lived. You've got experiences you've gone through. You've got deeply held convictions that are inside of you. And, and you want to be heard. I think all of us want to be heard. And that's why we talk so much. Is we want to be heard. But I'm going to ask you to learn to listen well and to listen first. Not because I told you to. Not even because James told you to. But first and foremost, because God first heard you. And if you want to be more like Him, start listening to others. You say, what do you mean? I love Psalm 18, verse 6. 
The psalmist says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried out to my God from his heavenly temple. He heard my voice and listened to my cry for help. We have a God who listens. He listens to us. And following his example, we ought to be willing to listen to others. Listen again to what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. He wrote, Christians have forgotten that the ministry of listening has been committed to them by God who is himself the great listener and whose work they should share. We should listen with the ears of God that we may speak the word of God. If you want to be heard, earn it by first hearing, listening, being like God who heard our cry, who heard our plea for help, and he answered us. How did he answer us? He sent us Jesus, his son. You remember in John chapter 1, verse 14 says, the word of God, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's Jesus. God knew the cry and the need of our heart is to be forgiven of our sin and to be in a right relationship with God the Father. And so he sent Jesus to accomplish all of that on the cross of Calvary. I like how the message paraphrases John chapter 1, verse 14. It says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. All because God heard your cry. So be like God and be a good listener. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in the stillness of this moment, we thank you for this reminder that we should be good listeners like you are a good listener. And listening well requires us to reject apathy. We should be eager to hear. Listening well requires us to reject arrogance. We need to be slow to speak. We'll learn something if we'll stop talking all the time. And we need to be good listeners by rejecting anger angry at what we've heard that we just don't like, or angry because we assumed something the other person didn't, said, didn't say. And rather than giving in to apathy and arrogance and anger, remind us today and this week that people feel loved when they feel heard. And help us to actively listen a little more this week than perhaps we did last week. And let you, God, be our supreme example of what it means to care enough to hear, to listen, to answer our greatest and deepest need. Thank you for Jesus. God, there could be somebody today who for the first time in their life needs to receive him as their personal Lord and Savior. I thank you that Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter how we've failed, your love through Jesus is extended to us. Your forgiveness is offered to us. The gift of eternal life, life with you now and forever is offered to us. 
if we'll simply turn from our sin and put our faith in Christ. And so, Father, maybe right now, someone in this room or someone watching today or someone listening will say, Jesus, thank you for loving me enough to pay the price for my sin on the cross. I believe you rose from the dead, and today I put my confidence in you to forgive me of my sin, to be my Lord and my Savior. I thank you for the gift of eternal life in your name. Amen.